This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website, powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-215-0465. That's 800-215-0465. Delving into current events to uncover relevant wisdom. Uncover relevant wisdom. This is the Charlie Harari Show with Charlie Harari on the Blaze Radio Network. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Charlie Harari Show. Great to be with you again. Another week has gone by. It is great to be able to reconnect. Thank you for your time and your listenership. For those that are joining us for the first time, this is the Charlie Harari Show. And the goal of the show is to really look at the world and take some lessons that we can learn from the news and from the world to apply it to our own lives. For those that are coming back, thanks so much for your patronage of this show. It's truly an honor. We have so much to talk about today. Today's show may be a little bit different than I think that you're hearing from around the news for this week. I want to actually dedicate the show to one particular topic because I think this topic we can spend hours and weeks on. And it's something that I think you may have missed in this this week's news cycle, and that is the birthday, the Independence Day of one particular nation. You know, from the entire country, entire world, I would think that America has a relationship with everyone across the globe differently, but nobody really compares to the relationship that it has with the state of Israel. The state of Israel has been a friend has been a partner, has been uh, a recipient, and has been a giver to the uh, United States from, from its inception. And anyone who's ever been to Israel, you know that if you even walk the streets or go around to the different areas, you will see that there are streets and boulevards and um, highway, I mean, all named in honor of Americans, in honor of American heroes and leaders, and the culture is so much tied up into uh, the American culture, and it stands for so much that I think America stands for. And so this week on Thursday, Israel celebrated its 68th birthday to think that we are talking about a country that really came to the scene in, in the late 40s. And I thought to myself, would be really cool would be, you know, maybe if we took a couple of minutes today on the podcast and try to explain the enigma called Israel. Now, what do I mean? Israel's a a country like no other in the world today. It does remind me a lot of America. It does remind me a lot of our country and how we see the world and how we overcome challenges and what we believe is our destiny. And for those who were around last week, uh, we spoke about uh, the American dream and the power of will because that's what makes us us. It's this indomitable will that allows us to overcome challenge, that allows us to become the greatest nation in the globe. It allows us to become the superpower after being on the scene. I know it's not you know, a very short time. But, you know, 200 some odd years is not that long. And it's because of who we are. Now, Israel is, is an incredible, incredible country. Let me just let me give you a couple of interesting stats. So Israel ranks 11th 
out of 158 countries evaluated for the World Happiness Report. Now, I want you to get a sense here. The United States is 13, and Israel is 11. Now, it's also number five out of 36 on the Organization for Economic and Cooperation Development's Life Satisfaction Index. So that means that Israel is ahead of the United States and the the United Kingdom and France. Right now, Israel, if you know of it, you know, lives around hostile enemies. They're constantly under threat of terrorism. They're literally going through war every year, even if it's just a war of living in a bunker, but that's still war. They are faced with um, a certain amount of um, hostileness, even in the global community. You know, ask an Israeli soldier to get up and speak to a couple of pro-Israel students in any campus, and you will find that, but for a few, mostly in the South, that soldier will, you know, basically be under threat of his own life because of all of the anti-Israel sentiment on some of our college campuses. Its GDP is low. It it, it ranks only 24th in GDP per capita out of 30. Um, and it's only 17th in, in terms of uh, per capita income in the world. But yet, it has this high level of happiness, this high level of satisfaction, and it's got this high level of uh, adults with higher education. And in terms of its economic development, it's you know dubbed in the science, in the um, technology community as Silicon Wadi, having more companies listed than I think any other company outside the United States of America. So you, you're looking at something I would think to be a, somewhat of a story of greatness. You've got a brand new country that's underneath an enormous amount of strain, pressure, tension, turmoil. And through all of that, even though they're not the richest, even though they're not the most comfortable, they seem to have a certain amount of happiness more than us. They seem to have a certain amount of life satisfaction. And they seem to be knocking out some incredible economic achievements, being so high on the the, the on on the list of new companies, new startups, investments, technology that's coming out through the world. And the question for us for today is how, right? Because if we can figure out what they're doing, how they're able to survive and thrive under such tension, then maybe we together today, maybe in honor of their birthday, learn something about ourselves, learn something that we can take in as a lesson for what we can be doing to become more successful, even if we don't have ideal life situations. And that's something that I think we all think about. Well, my life isn't ideal. I've got these challenges. I've got these problems. And so the reason why I can't be more successful in what I do is because I don't have the conditions of success. You see that person over there? They're given a better marriage. They're given a better brain. They're given a better job. They've got easier kids. They live in a different part of the world. And you may be listening to this and saying, I would love to have a better life but I don't have the right life conditions. Well, if there's any country in the world that has the worst conditions for success, that's Israel. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, can you think of another country around today whose borders are surrounded by enemies that are literally 
salivating for their death, who aren't even playing sort of old school warfare fair, right? They're not even doing that. They're just happy to just invoke a little bit of fear. They're happy to take their lives. They're literally happy to walk to borders, strap bombs on themselves, carry knives, try to hurt somebody just for the sake of scaring people. Do we know of an enemy like this? Right? Isn't it the greatest fear that we all have? What's happening around the country, in Belgium and France and in San Bernardino? Like, aren't, aren't all of us sort of saying to ourselves, wait a second, this is a brand new enemy that the world is facing. These are people that can care less about their own lives. They're not trying to win a war. They're just trying to terrorize the people around them. And they are living around countries that avow their extinction, individuals that just want to invoke fear. And between me and you, a global community that isn't that much better. I would even say even the United States of America, which has traditionally been a great friend of Israel, has sort of pulled back on that under the Obama administration. But even if you go to the UN and other places like that, that's not, that's not a warm place where Israel can go. So there is one place in the world that has the worst conditions for economic success, the worst conditions for happiness, the worst conditions for a growth of a country. And yet Israel is producing some of the greatest technology startups, defense in, in the world, in the, in, in the world today and how are they doing it. And so I want to highlight a couple of ideas today and sort of explore them with you and hope that by the time we're done, we can gain a picture of how one could be successful, even if the conditions aren't perfect. And the first is the idea of dreaming. Now, anyone who's ever been to Israel, you understand that Israel has uh, is overwhelmed, if you will, with a sense of nationality. Nationalism in Israel is one of the most important stats that they look to. In fact, 83% of Israel considers their nationality part of their identity. 69% considers the Jewish culture as significant. So what Israel has is this incredible amount of nationalism. Now, what does that mean? So if those of you who know the story of Israel, you know that for centuries, the Jews have been basically scattered around the world, persecuted for many, many, many years, not invited, Holocaust, pogroms, expulsions, everything, executions, inquisitions, and it has sort of shaped the Jewish story of entering into a host country, trying to assimilate and be part of the country, trying to maintain the identity and their religion, and then ultimately throughout that history, especially throughout Eastern Europe and Europe, getting kicked out, hurt, killed, or maimed. All the while dreaming that there will be a time where they will be able to return to their ancestral homeland, Israel. And for the most part of human history, that has not been allowed. Because two for 2,000 years, they weren't allowed in, or they didn't have the capacity to come back in, or they came back in and were killed. And that all changed in the 20s and the 30s as people started to move back in Israel. And then after the Holocaust, that was really a huge sort of push. And so in the late 40s, early 50s, even 60s, 70s to today, Jews from around the world look to go back to Israel to live or to visit and see it as part of this larger story of Jews coming home 
to a place where they find safety and security, connection and identity in Israel. Now, why is this important for? And the answer is that when you look at the studies of why people are not more successful in life, right? When you look and to see, if you notice that, you know, New Year's is a huge period of time for resolutions, right? You may have made one, I made one. We've said to ourselves, we're going to make it, this is going to be the year that I'm going to change. You ever have those moments, right? It doesn't have to be New Year's, but you have a moment where you go, this is my year. This is it. This is my year, right? And so you say you're going to lose weight and you're going to get a better job and you're going to be a better spouse and you be a better father or a better mom. And just, this is going to be the year. This is the year. I, I got it. And, and like you're ready to roll, right? So you make your resolution, you know, day one's great, day two's great. And then, like, something happens after, like, a week. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, I, I've got a buddy of mine who uh, runs a health club. Right? He runs a gym. So he, he, I looked at he. He once shared with me his the role of all of his people that have signed up for the gym. And it's, like, four times the size of his space. And I'm like, how are you going to accommodate all, the pe- all these people? He goes, only one month. I said, really? He's like, yeah. He's like, January. It's actually, he said, two months. It's January and June are the hot months. You know, I guess people are already thinking like, you know, January is New Year's season and everybody wants to lose weight. So January they make resolutions and then like, you know, they come in for a week and the place is packed. And then by February, everybody's done. And then you pick it up again sometime in May, June where you realize I got to go to the beach or I got to go here, I got to go there. And I got to look a certain way and my clothes are going to be less. I can't hide under a jacket. Someone comes back to the gym for that month and then they, then they go. But for the most part, the, the gym's empty. And even though the, the, the roster's full. I don't know if you have a gym membership that's sitting there and you got the, the, the little card that you can go in anytime, but you don't. Why is that? Why do we make resolutions that we don't actually fulfill? I mean, these are resolutions for us. It's not like you're working for somebody else, right? The resolution isn't like, go do somebody else's work. Your resolution is, go make your life better. And you know you should make your life better, right? A resolution is saying, I know my life should be better. I know how to make it better. And it's for me. And yet we don't do it. None of us. We never do it. Why? So scientists have jumped into this and really spoken about this as to why is it that we can't fulfill our resolutions. And one of the things we're going to do on the podcast, if you stick with me to the end of this show, we're going to talk a, a lot about these things. And if you stick with us along our seasons, you will find most of what I think is out there in terms of the education regarding how to become greater and what's our pitfalls. To stick with us on that. So what is it that, you know, is holding us back? And there's a lot of answers, but I want to start with the first one. And this is something that may not sound a lot, sound intuitive, but this is what some of the scientists are showing. The researchers are showing as to why people are not more successful in resolutions. And it's because they don't actually get inspired by their dreams, right? If you think about your resolutions, what is it that you are resolving to do? And the answer is probably to not do something. Right? You're probably resolving to not eat as much as you do, to lose weight, or to come home earlier, or to be more patient, or to try harder, to, to do things that involve more effort into your life. So basically what you're saying is, I'm living a, vi- a life that is where it is today. It's not what I want. I know I got to work harder to get to where I go, and I'm going to resolve to work harder to get down the road, to get up the ladder, right? To climb the hill a little bit more. So what's happening is you don't really want to climb that hill because if you did, you would have climbed it already. You want to get to the top of the hill. 
But the process of getting there is uninspiring. You haven't done it before. And deep down, you don't want to do it. So what we do is we, we make resolutions to make ourselves feel less guilty when we're trying to enjoy ourselves and we're trying to have a moment of life's peace or life's uh, uh, of connection. And so in these moments of life, we make a resolution to change, but deep down, we don't really want to change. And so for the first week, it works. For the second week, maybe it works. And if you've got a lot, a lot, a lot of willpower, maybe you go a month. But for the most part, if you're not inspired to change, if it's just I need to put more effort, even though I don't, I didn't want to beforehand because I feel guilty, you're never going to change. And as a result, our resolutions will be the way resolutions are. 90 somewhat percent of all people that make resolutions don't keep them because they don't want to keep them. Because if they wanted to keep them, they never they would have done it before the resolution. And anyone, any, and I'll we'll just use losing weight as the easiest. If you ever had this experience in life, ever like go away to like a holiday party, right? And like you're eating and eating and eating, and like you're just so full, and you just you resolve to diet, and then like as you make the resolution, instead of dieting, like instead of like mo- moving off the buffet, you just eat more of the buffet, right? But then you feel better about it because you know that okay, I'll just diet tomorrow, right? Dieting tomorrow is your, is our way of saying I can eat guilt-free for the rest of today. And tomorrow comes, and it's always tomorrow. So why is that? And the answer is, is because we're not inspired by our dreams. What do I mean? Inspiring dreams are actually what gives you the motivation to climb up that hill. When we come back, we're going to talk about what it is to have an inspiring dream, why it's so important, and why I believe it is what's driving Israel to becoming the country that it is. This is all coming up when we come back. This is the Charlie Harari Show. You're listening to Charlie Harari on the Blaze Radio Network. This is the Charlie Harari Show with Charlie Harari on the Blaze Radio Network. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website, powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-215-0465. That's 800-215-0465. You're listening to The Charlie Harari Show with Charlie Harari on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to the show. This is Charlie Harari. This is Charlie Harari Show on the Blaze Radio Network. We're talking about Israel, their incredible success, and the power of dreams. Speaking about how most of our resolutions don't work because we're not inspired by them. We don't want to do more work. We don't want to work harder. We want to come home. We want to sit in front of the TV. We want to eat what we want to eat. We want to say what we want to say. And so when we just resolve to work harder, we don't really want to do that. So after that little feeling goes away, we we don't. And what makes people that have resolutions that work and not is not necessarily the work that goes into it. It's the dream that they're fighting for. When you talk about change, For us to actually implement change in our lives, we have to be inspired by what is possible. Even if what is possible 
is beyond the expectation of what reality is. Right? For us to be able to be inspired, what we have to do is reach a dream that is realistically ambitious. Right? Something that would be incredible. Like this would change my life. If I looked like this, if I had this marriage, if I found this person, if I had this much money, if I were this connected to God, if I were this connected to my community, if I, if I would, then it would be amazing. When each and every one of us has the ideal that's inside us, we know what an amazing life would look like. We know what an ideal life would feel like. We have a sense of what my life could be. We've been trained and taught throughout our lives that that's unrealistic. Remember when you were a kid and you said, I want to do this? And they said, be realistic. Being real, saying being realistic is like an adult telling a kid, give up on your dreams. I have. Look at my life. I've given up. Why don't you give up too so that you don't threaten me with all of your thoughts of grandeur? Isn't that what it is? Because who knows what realistic even is? Who knows what reality is? What human being would have told a kid 10 years ago or 20 years ago that there will be a period of time where you can hold something in your hand and see the face of another human being around the globe instantly? Nobody, right? Who would have thought that I can be walking down the street of Manhattan watching uh, a recap of the Golden State Warriors game that took place the night before on my tiny little phone. Who would have thought that my watch or that nobody would have thought this stuff. So nobody knows what reality is going to look like in five years from now. Do we know if in five years from now we're going to discover the, the cure for cancer? Do we know? Well, no one knows. You can project, but that's not really. So nobody can tell you what realistic is. But we say it all the time because we want to sort of like keep people's dreams down. And we get used to that. We get into that. And we start to buy it. And by the way, if you're raising kids, you're doing this probably to your children. I do. I try not to. Calm them down. Hold them down. Sit down. Relax. Sit down. You ever go to a classroom? You get all these kids buzzing around when they're uh, kindergarten kids. They're buzzing. They're moving. They're playing. They're learning. They're growing. And then by the time they're like in like seventh and eighth grade, you walk into that same classroom. That kid is like, you know, basically duped up on Ritalin or staring into the space or holding up boredom or playing mental games with themselves to like just not sort of die of of complete and utter, you know, despair. I mean, it's, we we just suck the life out of our of our family out of the young, and then maybe the kids that bounce out and somehow make it, make it. And for the few kids that actually can sit there successful, everybody else has to struggle, but that's a different story. And as a result, we go through our lives and we've given up on our dreams. We don't have dreams anymore. We don't have dreams anymore. We don't dream of what's possible. We don't even look at our presidential election. These aren't dreams of what's possible. It's like a, a blame game. You've got the most popular candidates on both sides saying it's the bank's fault, it's the rich people's fault, another, pe- another person saying it's the immigrants' fault, it's, it's, the, it's the Muslims. You, you basically have a world where everybody is just pointing figures. You don't have a character standing up and saying, guys, 
Let's dream together. Here's how it could be possible. Let's push ourselves over the hill to the next one. And as a result, we don't really make it because we're stuck living in this world of trying to be incrementally better every day versus seeing what's possible. And when you see what's possible, you have and it inspires you. Can you imagine if my life was X? Can you imagine if I can accomplish this? It's a dream. Now, I don't mean that every dream comes true. I mean that if you don't have a dream, you can never push yourself beyond where you are. The dream is the goalpost. The dream is the, it's the end zone at the end of the field that you have to drive towards. If you're not driving towards a destination of your dream, you won't even know how far you need to go. That's why many of us live in this world of wake up in the morning, make, go to work, pay bills, make bills, pay bills, make bills, pay bills, weekend, go back to work, pay bills, make bills, pay bills, weekend, go back to work because the treadmill of life is like just get through it versus go towards a direction. And that one difference is totally shift. It can totally shift your entire life. Go towards a direction. What makes Israel so different than almost every other country, I believe, but for the United States and a few other places, is this destiny that they feel that they are living. The, if you've ever been to Israel, and if you haven't, I would suggest you go if you've ever walked the streets of Israel, if you've ever seen the, 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 the flags on the soldiers, you will find that it is there is a dream that they had, the founders and, and many other Jews from around the world, this dream of returning to their homeland, returning to their home after getting kicked out by the Romans, after getting driven away, and this dream that has been in their minds and and most have given up on. But when they're in the land, you can feel that they are working towards this dream. And they'll fail a million times. And they'll hit roadblocks and bumps and everything along the way. But that's not the point. It's that they have a big hope, a big dream to fight for. And when you have that, you are able to accomplish something that you couldn't have accomplished in any other way. And so I ask you today to think about this. If you really are serious and you really want to have a change, write it down. I can tell you personally to me and you, I do this every time I'm on an airplane. I'm always doing this. For better or for worse, I'm always trying to tap into the dream because I understand that but for the dream, I'll never make it. What is my ideal weight? What is my ideal life? What is my ideal marriage? What is my ideal connection? What is what is the dream of what I'm looking for in life? Because once I can articulate that, it's, in, it's exciting. I can't get wait to get started. I, I don't want to go to bed at night. I want to just get going on it. I want to just keep pushing to get to that dream, make that dream a reality. And if you need any proof, just look to the Middle East, to that tiny little country that's smaller than New Jersey, living through all that turmoil and mess and still at the same time becoming one of the greatest countries in the, in the world because they had a dream. Not to sound like Martin Luther King, but you got to have a dream. But it goes a little further because a dream isn't enough. 
When we come back, we're going to talk about one other thing that they, or m- more other things that they have so that we can chart this course of learning from another country in the world, how we can become better. This is Charlie Harari. You're listening to The Charlie Harari Show on the Blaze Radio Network. This is The Charlie Harari Show with Charlie Harari on the Blaze Radio Network. Buck Sexton. Team Buck, I'm going to be on right after Glenn Beck on the Blaze Radio Network. I'm going to be bringing you up to speed on everything you care to know about from the news cycle and perhaps some things that may have otherwise slipped through the cracks. We'll be deep diving, doing all sorts of analysis, joining together to make sure we make sense of everything going on in politics and the rest of the world. Talk about that and more. Join me in the Freedom Hut at noon. Buck Sexton. Weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. Delve into current events to uncover relevant wisdom. This is the Charlie Harari Show with Charlie Harari. Welcome back to the show. This is the Charlie Harari Show. For those that are tuning in right now, thanks so much. We appreciate you coming and joining us. Talking about the power of dreams. State of Israel, what they've accomplished in their short life. They're only 68 years old, which is infancy in the global scene. And what they've managed to accomplish on all scales is just beyond expectations. And why? And what we're trying to posit here on today's show is that dreams, goals, inspiring ambitions is what you need in life to become great. Now, I'm not suggesting in any which way that you're going to achieve everything that you're trying to achieve. I'm not suggesting that if you just dream it, it will. I am not in any which way, pulling a Rhonda Byrne the secret on you and saying if you just close your eyes, the universe will give it to you. I don't know where that comes from. I don't know if that's true or not. It hasn't worked for me. I do believe that there's a spiritual world and that the spiritual world does work differently than the physical world. And there are rules, I believe, in the spiritual world, like giving and what that does and connecting and believing. I do believe in that stuff. But I don't think it's close your eyes, have a dream, wake up in the morning, and you got a house. I don't know if you've ever seen that documentary before it's it's unbelievable there's a part in the the documentary called the secret if you've never seen the documentary it's worth seeing there's a piece of it where a guy gets up and says that he had a dream for a house and he took a picture of the house that he wanted and he placed it on like a, a picture board and then like went through his life and then woke up one morning and actually bought a house and then in the found one of these old picture boards and the picture of the house was in the picture board. To me, that feels a little bit much. Like, I don't know. Maybe I'm just, you know, a little hardened. Maybe it's the legal background. I don't know what it is. Maybe I, I maybe it's the Northeast. What I don't know what it is, but I could tell you one thing. I don't know if you just stare at a picture board all day, you're going to get your dreams come true. However, if you don't have inspiring dreams, you're not going to be motivated. You're just not, we're not going to get through the day. And so when you have this big, huge dream, there's a great author named Jim Collins who wrote a book called Good to Great. You may have heard of it. If not, you should definitely read it. It's a great reading where he speaks about it. He calls it a bahag, a big, hairy, I don't know why he uses that. It's gross. But anyways, big, hairy, audacious, audacious goal. That if you don't have this big, hairy, audacious goal, you're not going to drive towards something. And you got to do that. And, and and that's, I think, what is the motivating factor for the state of Israel. 
with all those people that are driving in a way. Not everyone, of course, in every place you'll have some people that don't care. And you also have a lot of people that are there two, three generations in that are just living in it. They don't really have the dream anymore. This is just like they can live in New York, they can live in France, they can live in Germany, they can live in Israel. But for the most part of the country, 80-somewhat percent of the country, they believe in this dream and that's what's driving them. But having a dream isn't enough. And one of the other areas that I think is something that Israel really excels in is this idea of pushing past one's comfort zone. Now, if you've ever seen the Israeli startup scene before, what you'll find is a if you just talk to some of the people there and sort of get their experiences, what you'll find is that everybody in Israel is drafted into the army. Army service is part and parcel of the culture that is in Israel, which I, I think in some ways is very, very healthy. You got high school kids that are, you know, not talking about what colleges they're getting into next year, which is what we talk about. They're talking about what units they're getting into next year. And there's a competition, if you will, not to see who's getting into Harvard or Yale or who's going to get into this, you know, Michigan or this big state or this big, you know, you, are you, are you going to get something? That, none of that stuff. It, the, the fight that goes on, if you will, amongst the Israeli youth is what unit will you join and what part of the army will you be a part of and what, how much responsibility will, will you take upon yourself? Will you be a commando? Will you be a Navy SEAL? Will you be an infantry? And that becomes part and parcel of their culture. Now, when they join the army, what happens is they're obviously trained, of course, but one of the tenets of the Israeli army is the idea of failure. Failure in the Israeli army is not considered to be a negative. It's a part of their growth. And so if they go into and they, if they do uh, an excursion somewhere and they, they failed at it, it is a healthy environment for a, even a subordinate to bring up in a respectful way to someone superior as to what they did wrong, to try new things, to experiment and explore ways to deal with Because by the way, their enemy is not across the river. It's not across the ocean. It's down the block. It's in this alleyway. And they, to fight this hand-to-hand combat, to fight, it, it's, you, there are no rules. There's no books you can read for generations for centuries war has been fought a certain way the greatest militaries of all time even america's great military has mostly fought wars overseas has mostly fought wars against identified enemies until recently which is one of i think our greatest challenges but israel is fighting a war it's on, a, on its own front fighting a war in, in in back alleys sometimes on borders that are filled with nurseries and how you do that is really based on how you can experiment and you can try and you can experiment, you can try. But it all comes down to one thing, and this is part of their culture, which is that the one thing that will get sacrificed along the way is your comfort. The ability to survive and thrive in uncomfortable is part and parcel of that culture. When the rockets fly over from Gaza, the Israeli community, the population, doesn't go out of business, right? The, the technology companies that are surviving in Israel, Intel and Google and Facebook and all of their own particular companies, don't shut down because the country's at war, right? It's incredible for the thing to think about this. When there's a terrorist attack, the next morning the buses are still full, right? The next day people are still at work. 
it comes from this culture that they have from the army all the way up about we need to experiment, we need to be able to fail. But one thing that we all need to understand is that we are living in a place of uncomfortability. And when you're living in a place of turmoil, of uncomfortability, it is that place that you will find opportunity. You see, many times when you live in a world like ours, and I can say it from being a very proud American, and I don't know if you feel the same way, sometimes we may get a little bit too comfortable. Sometimes we may be in a situation where our world is safe and secure and we don't appreciate our servicemen enough. We don't appreciate the sacrifice that people are making. And sometimes, and I feel this sometimes, you will find people in, in America who will take the liberties that we have for granted and who will live and they will thrive in a comfortable culture. And we think, and this is the number one thing, I think, that the, the ideal circumstance of being great is when you're comfortable, right? You look over to somebody and say, the reason why they have a better life is because they have better conditions, so it is the comfort in not having to change your conditions, right? It is having things laid out in front of you that is making you successful, but maybe that's the opposite. Maybe greatness only comes in areas of discomfort. Maybe when you are in a world of turmoil, you have the greatest chance to embolden yourself become more resilient and come up with opportunities and ideas that nobody can come up with when they're living in a comfortable environment. Maybe the reason why they have an explosion of technology coming out of Israel is because these kids spend three years in the, in the army service before they're 21. And so they have a certain amount of perspective on turmoil, on uncomfortability, on anxiety. And when they can survive in that environment for three years, five years, 10 years, they can, and when they can come back into the culture and survive there too, they now have a unique skill set and they can bring to the market and try new things and not be scared to fail because they're, they know how to survive in, in, in periods that are uncomfortable. And I, by the way, believe in, for all servicemen, that includes the American servicemen and women that are out there killing themselves for our country every day. God bless them. But it could be that when we have our dreams, we think that if I can just have a clear path to my dream, that's what makes me me. But maybe that's not how it works. Maybe the way it works is that your greatness comes out when you are in the moments of the highest amount of being uncomfortable. Maybe it is after your comfort zone that you become you. Maybe it is because you have a challenging marriage or job or circumstance. That's because of that, you now are forced to dig into a place in yourself that you didn't know existed before. And in that digging, do you see a piece and come up with ideas or fight harder or sleep less or suffer from more, a little bit more stress? And through all of that, you are able to be somebody that you wouldn't have become if life were comfortable, 
if we handed you things on a silver platter. And if you want to see the proof of this, you can look at one of the least happiest groups of people in the country, trust fund babies. You know, trust fund baby are those rare individuals who are born to a family that have so much money that they've put money for their children away in trust. And these kids are able to live off the interest of the trust, right? So if you think about this for a second, and for those of us that are working uh, every day, it's, it's literally unfathomable. But there are people in the country today that are able to live just off the interest of their trusts. So the principle stays the same, right? So it's not going anywhere. And they could basically in their lives do whatever they would like and they get checks at the end of every month just because their parents made some money. So you would think if there's any group of people that are the most productive, happiest, um, the ones that come up with the best ideas, changing the world, having the greatest lives, are these kids, wouldn't you think? Right? You don't got to work. You don't got to go to work every week. Can you imagine that life? You don't got to go to work every week. You just wake up in the morning. You get a check just for being just for being born to the right womb. You didn't even do that. You didn't even choose your mom. Right? And like God did that for you. So you just you just came out. That was all that you've basically done is just sort of emerged from a womb and basically I don't think killed anybody. And outside those two very broad conditions, you just are able to because of your existence receive money for just being alive and take that money and do what you wish. That's that's their lives. And by the way, there are, I, I would say, hundreds, if not thousands of people today that just have this life. It's incredible. I don't know any, but I can only imagine. But I know I've, I've done the research, I've seen the research on them. And if there are, if there ever is an unhappy group of people in the world, it is them. And you think to yourself, are you insane? You know who else is a very unhappy group of people? Lottery winners. Did you know this? Did you know that lottery winners are for the most part basically have their lives destroyed from winning the lottery and you're thinking that's impossible can you imagine if i want a powerball tomorrow morning well yeah people have and in almost all circumstances it ruins their life it destroys them it totally kills them and how is that and the answer is because comfort doesn't lead to greatness uncomfortability discomfort leads to greatness right when life hands you everything on a silver platter you, you may have stuff but you don't become anybody you don't become anything because it's been given to you on a silver platter. It gets spoon-fed to you. In fact, actually, it's a spiritual thing because your soul wants to grow. Your body wants stuff, but your soul wants to move and wants to grow, wants to develop. And so if you give people too many, that's why if you have children and you're, you give them too much, you ruin them. You ever see spoiled brat kids? You ever like see these kids? Like spoiled brat kids. You look at them and you go, I, I, I cannot believe that you're saying it at nine years old it's coming out of your mouth. Like, you know, I just saw a, a, a report yesterday of of, of uh, one of those. Remember we spoke about here, the influenza teen. Remember we did this a couple of weeks ago on the show? Spoiled brat kids. And I think at some point in his in his uh, tenure of being an absolute jerk, he turned to somebody. Oh, that's what it was. I saw it in, when he was in high school or elementary school it was. He turned to his teacher and said, who are you? I can buy you. Can you imagine like a nine-year-old, ten-year-old kid turning to a teacher somebody whose entire life is in sacrifice and giving to others and saying the words, you are nobody, I can buy you. Well, what does a kid get like this from? It's because when they spoil him, his soul like almost diminishes and he becomes less happy and for sure less productive. And by the way, I would bet you, if you go around to some of the richer countries across the, the world, you will find a decrease in innovation. 
for sure. You go around to some of the richer, less turmoiled countries, right? And you, Switzerland and these places, you will find a absolute dearth of any real innovation coming out because they're living in security. They're living in safety. They're living in relative, you know, uh, affluence. No one's threatening them with bombs. No one's giving them a problem and life becomes nice. And then they get slow and they get fat and they get comfortable and they move on and they never achieve that level of greatness. But should you desire more? Should you have a dream that you can be more? And my gut is that if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably in the category of people that want more. Even if you've achieved some level of, a level of success, there's always deeper. There's always another hill. There's always, and I don't mean like you can't be happy. I think that this is the way of happiness. The pursuit of meaningful goals is really the life of happiness, if you can just see it that way. But it only comes if you are willing to live parts of your life being uncomfortable. It only comes when you identify difficult, not as a problem, but as an opportunity. It comes when you want to be in a situation where you can thrive, where everybody else can scatter. That's where the opportunity is. That's where you can become who you are. That's where you could thrive. When the Israeli community is a community of people that have sort of accepted the fact that this terrorism thing is not going away. The, the group around them, the billions and billions of Muslims around them, for the most part, aren't going to wake up one morning and go, you know what? Like, you know, it's really not a big deal. Like, there is more land in the back of, you know, the prince of Saudi Arabia's summer home than there is in Israel. Like, let these guys be. Like, who cares? Anyways, we got our butts kicked for the past seven wars. Like, let these guys just, like, pray and hang out and eat shawarma and just enjoy themselves. Like, we'll just hang. Like, stop. That ain't happening. You know, Iran's not doing this. Egypt, it's not happening. And so the acceptance of the hate, the acceptance of the uncomfortability, the acceptance that one's child at 18 has to go to, to, to battle, the acceptance of this fear of I may be in a coffee shop or someone may be in a coffee shop, God forbid, and there may be some terrorist trying to get in to blow the place up, the acceptance of buses need to get us to our locations, but they're also targets. All of that enables a society that learns how to live life but push past whatever they think is perceived limitations to become where they're meant to be. And I think that's the lesson that we have for us today. That if we can dream a little bit more, if we can push ourselves to an inspiring goal and dream about it a little bit, and if we could allow ourselves to be more comfortable in the uncomfortable, we may be able to find a piece of ourselves that is so much greater than we thought otherwise. In our jobs, taking on tougher assignments and being okay failing, being okay trying, being okay going to bed later, being okay handling and drop more stress. In our marriages, in our with our children, with our communities, trying things that we've never tried before. Being okay in a world of turmoil because it's in the world of turmoil that we will A, learn how to live and enjoy the life for what it really is, not for when we're comfortable, and B, allow us 
to come up and see things that we couldn't have seen otherwise. And maybe this week, as Israel celebrates its birthday, and as us Americans look over to our greatest ally in the Middle East and tip our hats to them, you know, give them a, you know, a little bit of a half salute and a smile, give them a drop of encouragement as they navigate their lives, we can learn a drop from them. As I know for sure, they learn a lot from us. We can learn how we can become a little bit better, how we can dream a little bit bigger, how we can connect a little bit deeper and how we could survive and thrive into a world where we look to go past our comfort zones. We enjoy, if I can go that far, to go past our comfort zones. And if we get there, I think we have a chance of really becoming the people that we're meant to be. This is Charlie Arari thanking you for your time and attention, pushing you that this is the week that we should not only be good or great, we should try to reach awesome. Looking forward to speaking to you next week, learning something new from the world. You're listening to The Charlie Harari Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Delving into current events to uncover relevant wisdom. This is The Charlie Harari Show with Charlie Harari.